You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. This is Jeff Ellis, your host. I am going to continue our talk from yesterday about the top prospects of the Columbus Clippers. We're going to dive in, talk a little postseason, and we're just going to see where the podcast takes us from there. So, when we left off yesterday, I had worked through prospects 10 through 6 in the Columbus Clippers system. For those keeping track at home or who had missed last night's show, that ended up being Andrew Velasquez at 10, 9 was Michael Peoples, uh, Cam Hill at 8, Bobby Bradley at 7, and Scott Moss at 6. So let's get into those final five, as it were. At fifth is Eric Haas. Now, it probably feels like he has been around forever, and that's because in a way he has been. He was a high school player taken in the same draft as Francisco Lindor. And Lindor is at this point two years away from free agency, whereas Eric Haas is still yet to lose his rookie status. He was a, let's see, like a 6th or 7th round pick, I want to say, in 2011. He was a 7th round pick. Ohio State commit, Mr. Mi- uh, Michigan for baseball. And a guy who, up until really 2017, it looked like his career was kind of petering out. And then, big comeback, massive home runs. Uh, and he's, the last two years, just kind of hung out in AAA, continuing to work on his craft, hitting for power. Uh, he's never going to be a high batting average guy. He's never going to be... Um, a highly productive hitter. He is going to have some power. He's could end up being a poor man's Roberto Perez. Um, there's not much value in continuing to run him out of AAA, and that's why I think someone like Kevin Pulowicki could see his time coming to an end uh, at this point. What else is has? You know, he, his game should have been refined enough at this point. Um, if not, I am sure he has trade value just because he's a backup with some power potential, and that is always something valuable to have coming off your bench good athlete, a guy who was a second baseman in high school, uh, played, he's played catcher almost entirely since he was drafted, uh, did have one game at third base in the minors, but backup catcher with power, that that has some value, uh, 25 years of age, at, and that was when he debuted, I'm sorry, he's going to turn 27 in December, so again, He's yet to lose his rookie status, taking on that same draft class as Francisco Lindor, who only has two years left in Cleveland if he plays to the end of his contract. After that, we're going to talk about Yu Chen Chang. Uh, got some time in Cleveland this year. If he had been healthy in the offseason, probably would have gotten even more time in Cleveland to start the year. He was signed in 2013 as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he wasn't draftable because he came from Taiwan. Uh, he has a brother in the pirate system, and they have a different spelling on their last name because, uh, you know, Taiwan, the Chinese and Taiwanese language, it doesn't look the same physically as ours, so when it's spelled out here in English, it can sometimes get miswritten. So there's this chance there could be a pair of brothers who play in the majors uh, who have different last names, Just kind of a fun fact. Uh, it took him a few years to get going as well. You're kind of looking at... Really, that 2017 season, which is the same one we talk about with um, Haas, was kind of the magical one because he went to Akron and proceeded to hit the cover off the ball. 
Didn't hit for as much power in 2018. This year, he only played 68 games in Columbus. And didn't hit for as much as many home runs per at-bat as he did in that 2017 year. That's kind of the the sticking point at this point is, is how much power is there going to be. He walks. His walk rate has been trending in the wrong direction. Again, 2017, you saw that over 10%. You're kind of hoping it continue to sneak up. So it's been below 10%. There's a lot of similarities between him and Bobby Bradley. And this is where you get the fact that Bradley has more power, but again, when you have that limited offensive profile... Uh, and you're playing first base, there's not a whole lot of room for you to go anywhere, whereas Chang can play short, he can play third, he can play second. He can be a utility infielder with some power. Um, if you remember, he was part of the failed Jonathan Lucroy deal along with uh, Sean Armstrong, who pitched with Baltimore this year, and uh, Mejia and Greg Allen. Those were the parts in that deal. And I remember multiple times like the Yankees were after Chang. They tried to get him included in the uh, Frazier deal. Like He's a guy teams have liked for a while. Because you can never have enough middle infielders, especially ones with above average to plus power. Coming in at number three on this list is James Karen Jock. Uh, only pitched a grand total this year of 35 innings. That was it, 35 innings. But oh boy, oh boy, what you know? The strikeout rate was <laughs> nearly 22 per nine uh, in the minors. Walk rate was. You know, issue at five, but uh, we'll see. He just—it's a small sample size, but he's—I uh, mean—you're talking an all-star potential um, as a closer. He'll should start next year in the Indians pen. He, sky's the limit. He's the best relief prospect the system has produced in a very, very, very long time. He might be the best relief prospect the system has ever produced. Um, I mean, Cody Allen is really and. You know, peak Rafael Perez, because Rafi lefty people forget just how good he was at peak and his values left-hand reliever. Like, Rafi Perez and Cody Allen are far and away the top two relievers the system has ever produced, and Karen Chalk has a chance to stand toe-to-toe with them. It's just, it's filthy stuff. It's going to come down to his control. And that was his, you know, he was a potential late day one, early day two pick coming out of college, out of Bryant College in 2017. Fell down the ninth round, where the Indians only gave him slot, which is 138000 Which, yes, that is a lot of money for you and me. But for a baseball player, a guy who was viewed as maybe a fourth or fifth round pick, that's not a ton. So there were some concerns at that point. But when you get right down to it, it, he's outperformed that position. But the concern then was his command and control, and that's that's still the thing that haunts him. And that's He's either going to be a lights-out closer, or he is going to be... Um, that guy who just goes up and down, up and down, and never quite gets it all together. That we've had a few of those types throughout the years uh, for the Indians. Sean, Sean Armstrong was an example, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that he is legit the guy who's worth all this talk. The postseason is brought to you by Vivid Seats, and they've been one of our great sponsors. They took the idea of buying your tickets and added a fun new wrinkle with a loyalty rewards program. The more you buy, the higher you get to go, the better the deals you'll get. And if you're going to buy a ticket to anything now, you want to be using Vivid Seats because we have this promo code for you. So you're going to go download the app, Vivid Seats, and use the promo code POSTSEASON. That shows them that the MLB side of things on On sent you there. You're going to buy your tickets anyways. This code will save you up to 100 bucks. So you might as well go use Vivid Seats, 
save yourself some money and start building up those reward points because once you start building up those reward points you're going to want to keep going back to vivid seeds so remember download the app use the promo code postseason do it for yourself save yourself a few bucks our other sponsor is one of our oldest and dearest that is bluechew.com the little blue pill which has all the active ingredients is the big names but since it's chewable it allows you to do what you want to do quicker there have been all these scandals this year about uh uh, the use of uh, helping pills uh, for major league players when from gas stations and such. Don't do that. That led to suspensions. Instead, go over to Blue Chew. Use the promo code MLB. Again, it shows you, them that uh, you're listening to our great MLB podcast network. And they're going to send you a free sample. They're, they believe so much in their product, they're giving it away for free. You have to pay the five bucks for shipping, small cost to pay to see what all the hype's about. See why they believe in a product so much that they're willing to give it away for free, knowing you'll come back for more. That is bluechew.com, using that promo code MLB. Try it out. See what all the hype's about. See why this is a product that they believe so much that they think the first time you try it, you're going to keep going back and using it again and again. So I'm just going to apologize right now for some of the background noise. I have an extremely loud neighbor below me. I have cats and I have a two-year-old. So I think all of those have happened to bleed into this podcast today, which is unfortunate, but it is just the truth of the matter. So we got two players left to talk about, and they are the two I kind of saved for after the break specifically to go a little more depth on, because they're the two guys that kind of stand out for me. Like Karen Chalk is a top 10 prospect as well. I don't think I... And Chang likely is. Those two players likely both make the Indians top 10. Um, Haas isn't going to make it. So there's four guys. But Chang, his stock is down at this point. Karen Chalk, he's still just a reliever. I know there's value in relievers, but there's just not as much value in a reliever as there is in an everyday position player or a starter. That's just... That's why relievers don't go top 10 in the draft. Uh, a lot of starters become relievers, and there's value in it. But again, I, I'm just I'm stuck with the old school valuation on these guys. So there are two guys that stand out at this point, and and number two might surprise some people that I'm I'm rating him too, and that's Daniel Johnson, the outfielder from Washington. Now, originally when they got him, he was a, a fringe top ten prospect for the Indians. He definitely was for the Nationals because that's a weak system. Um, they really. They've lost a lot of picks over the years from signing players. They've traded away a lot of pieces. Um, it, it's a system that's it's they've used, which bully on them. I mean, let's be right. Yeah, so the system's weaker, but they're going to make the World Series this year, it looks like. Um, things could fall apart, but uh, watching the Nationals right now makes you think about prime Indians, right? It's There's some questions with the pen. The lineup has some up and downs. There's some central pieces that are utterly fantastic, like when the Indians made the World Series. But the strength of that team is the starting rotation. And I can never get past, you know, the... It's not even the year they lost the World Series. It's the year after where Carlos Carrasco was the second-best pitcher in the American League uh, in the second half of the season. And Bauer with a hurt... Or Bauer. Bauer goes twice. Uh, and Kluber with a hurt back goes twice against the Yankees. And Carrasco, you send out there once, and the Indians end up losing in five games. It's just that's the one I'm never going to get past. I'm never going to get past that 2017 uh, season. It's just that's going to be the one that got away. But we're seeing what happens when you are a team like the Nationals. What are they built on? They're built on pitching. They've got Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And that's kind of enough said, right? Like, when you've got those three guys, that is a heck of a core. And that's kind of peak Indians when it was... 
Kluber, Carrasco, you know, Salazar pre-injury, Bauer when he was at his best. And it's, it's what the Indians were hoping to accomplish. Um, but going back, uh, now that I have diverged enough, Johnson was kind of in a bit of a down valuation uh, most places heading into this year. He had been a, a solid hitter in A. It was his first taste of it in 2018. He had had some injury woes. and only appeared in 89 games. And he'd been good, but not great. Six home runs, uh, struck out 23% of the time, walked just 5% of the time. It was his first try at double-A. Always had phenomenal tools. He's a four-tool player, is what I called him. He has the plus arm, the plus run, the plus power, and the potential plus defense. But the hit was always the question. Would he hit enough? And this year across double-A AA and triple-A, he hit, and he hit with authority. 19 home runs is a, not a career high for him. In 2017, he hit 22, but still it's 19 across two levels of the upper minors. He had 27 doubles, so that year that he hit uh, 22 home runs, he only had 29 doubles, so he actually was a new high for him in terms of extra base hits. He not the most efficient base dealer, but the 50 walks is big. Walking you know, 9% of the time to a 22% strikeout rate, like the strikeout percentage, I'm sorry, not rate percentage. It's nice to see that kind of in the low 20s because so many guys who don't even have power we're seeing approach 30 or Bobby Bradley at 35, Chang in the high 20s. 22 for a power hitter is nice. He's going to be a plus defender, um, likely in right field because that arm is so strong. Uh, You can line him up, Tyler Naquin, go and find former Indian prospect Carlos Moncrief. Just have those guys have a throwing contest. It'd be fun to watch. Like Those those guys all have cannons. Um, so I was kind of surprised the Indians did not give Johnson a chance this year. I don't know if that's you know 40-man manipulation. That's something I'm not particularly grand at. I don't get into the grittiness of things like that. Um, getting that service clock started early. They have to add him to the 40-man this offseason, and he will be. And Honestly, I would like to see him get an opportunity to start the year with the Indians next year, um, even if it's just as a platoon. I mean, he should be able to hit righties pretty well at the start, and you're going to mostly face right-handed hitters. Like, uh, having a bat that excels... Like, Jordan Luplo is fantastic, but he's only playing in such a limited number of games. It kind of makes his performance this year all the more amazing. Do you have a Luplo-Johnson platoon? I mean, that's... Sign me up for next year put those two in one position, you put Fran Mill in left, then you put Mercado in center, and I'm good. Uh, th- that's kind of the ideal. But he did a bit of everything. And in AAA, over 84 games, where he played the majority of the season, he hit over 300. So that, that's a positive sign for him. I mean, he's he's always hit... Well, I don't want to say that. Like, his career minor league total is 284. So it's always been a higher batting average, and he kind of gets credit for. Um, but yeah, he showed a lot of improvement. Higher walk rate. Uh, more power. He did everything well this year. He's a top-five prospect in the Indian system for me. Um, and he should be there to help the Indians next year. Uh, it's interesting to like look at the BA rankings. that had him 14, and Pipeline had him 22. I think I said I had him 12. I'd have to go back and look. But needless to say, he kind of proved all of his doubters wrong this year, and he really stepped up. And he is an extremely toolsy player. And that is to the Indians' benefit. I mean, he's, he's going to add some athleticism that the team kind of lacked at points last year, especially when it was going with some of the older vets. And the number one prospect on here is a guy that kind of feels forgotten at points, at least from my perspective. 
He weirdly didn't get caught back up, even though he was already on the 40-man and had been with the Indians earlier this year. He was, you know, a pretty big component of the Trevor Bauer deal. Yet, he he kind of slid into the background. It became someone he appeared in 27 innings for the Indians, appeared in 25 for the Padres. Again, I don't know if it's like service clock manipulation that he already appeared in uh, the composite total is what, 17 games? And yes, his AAA numbers were great. And you already know who I'm talking about if you're listening to this podcast. It's Logan Allen. Um, this was a, a bit of a struggle for him. Now, the El Paso Chihuahuas, that is not a pitcher-friendly environment. Columbus, not a pitcher-friendly environment. He's also dealing with moving from organizations, all that other stuff. So let's just toss it out. Before this year, he's a guy who averaged, you know, over nine strikeouts per nine with a walk rate under four. The home run rate was outside of last year in uh, San Antonio, uh, well under one. Hit rates were always low. And more than anything else, he's a solidly built left-hander. The Indians have not had a left-handed starting pitcher who could stand up and hold his own back there since Scott Casimir. It's just it's it's something that they've kind of failed in terms of development. They've drafted a few guys, but it has not quite worked out. He was uh, an eighth round pick, but not your typical one. He was an eighth round pick that the Red Sox paid seven hundred twenty five thousand. That is a lot of money to give an eighth round pick. They saved up to make sure to go in and get Allen. He was then a central piece in the Craig Kimbrell deal, and eventually. He became, you know, a central piece in that Bauer deal and someone the Indians targeted. Now, he should get a chance to make this team next year. Um, We've already talked about the rotation. Let's just do it again. Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, Bieber. Uh, If those guys are all healthy, that's going to be your four spots. So then you have in that kind of next tier, you know, Saval and Plesak. And then I think Logan Allen should be kind of in that grouping as well. And we haven't even gotten into uh, what a healthy Tristan McKenzie does for things. Tristan McKenzie, you're going to notice, didn't make this list at all because he didn't pitch this year. There's no place to slot him. Where do I put him? Do I base it off of last year's numbers? So McKenzie got skipped over as I was going through this. It's probably a name you noticed was missing, but I don't know what to do with a guy who didn't pitch anywhere. And there's been significant concerns over the years, and uh, this year didn't help that. But back to Logan Allen, he he's not going to be a star. Likely that's not going to be the case for him. But the chance that he's a solid four type is very high. He's a very safe pitcher. He does a lot of things well. There's some, like I said, there's concerns, concerns this year that his stuff wasn't as sharp, that kind of performance tailed off. Let's see what happens. He's likely going to start next year in AAA. Uh, it's, it's almost a guarantee. We'll see how he performs, how he adapts, and where we go from here. But I just... He is about the fourth or fifth best prospect in the system. Daniel Johnson and him are pretty much back-to-back in mine. Uh, you know, Lindor, Freeman, Valera, and then these two kind of fill out the top five just because, again, I'm very bullish on him. I liked him a year ago. He's someone I talked about. I mean, there was I'm sure you could pull a tweet out where I had a deal that was Logan Allen, Fran Mo Reyes, and either Matt Strom or Kirby Yates to the Indians for Trevor Bauer. And... You know, we can always go back to the point that Trevor Bauer's value went down significantly uh, by the time he was traded. Because if you trade him last offseason, a team is getting him for two complete seasons, so that alone limits his value. And 
you know, 2018, he was an all-star. He was a Cy Young. If he had been healthy, he might have won the Cy Young in 2018. Uh, this past year, he was good. He was effective, but he was not an ace. He was not all-star level. There were some pretty serious flaws to his game, and we saw that all kind of come back. So the Indians got close to what I thought they'd get with him, which says a lot, and that's one of those things I talked about in the trade articles on him. But the same thing as Logan Allen, not as valuable uh, as an in-season trade option as he would have been in the offseason. Both those are guys who kind of saw their values get dinged. Fran Mill Reyes' value went up. Uh, I think Scott Moss's stayed about the same. And uh, the Victor Nova, you know, the San Diego, the other San Diego piece, his value was uh, was up as well uh, because he wasn't really much of a known guy. But uh, so this whole podcast ended up being this top five prospects. Again, it's, it's a significant one because four of these top five prospects are in the Indians' top ten overall prospects from my perspective, two in the top five. And that's why I wanted to spend a little more time, get to pull that taffy as it were. As always, thank you for listening, and go Tribe!